This is DWMOD. As always, I'm your host, Mikey Wilson. Stay with me now. Hey, the Pistons are scrappy, but it's quickly looking like we got all our balls in that lottery bag. Down! Hut! 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 Hey, it's 2023, and they still haven't put Sweet Lou Whitaker in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Knock it off. Ready? Oh, Lions fans drinking that Kool-Aid Super Bowl. Hey, disagree with me or don't. That's how it works. Hut! Hut! For everybody that was laughing at Dan Campbell, he has delivered everything that he has promised. And now the NFL world is bathing in the grit and drinking the Kool-Aid of the Detroit Lions. The man is the coach of the year. Everybody's up in arms about a college football playoff expansion. Make it eight, make it ten, make it sixteen, it doesn't matter. In five years, the two super conferences known as the SEC and the B1G will have their own individual playoffs, and those two teams will meet in the college Super Bowl. Bet on it. Hey, disagree with me or don't. That's how it works. All right, guys. Hey, welcome back for another episode of DWMOD. That's Disagree With Me or Don't. As always, I'm your host, Mikey Wilson, and we are about to get to it this week. A lot of stuff we want to talk about this week, guys. A lot of stuff going on, but big, big news for the Detroit Lions, which you must have already heard. We posted it out from the show. Uh, Ben Johnson returning to the Detroit Lions for next season as the offensive coordinator. That is a huge huge deal for us man not just to keep the coaching staff intact that is a big deal you want to do that one of the best offenses in the league you want to keep that offensive coordinator no doubt about it but guys the most important thing about that that we're in negotiations right now to bring back Jared Goff which I believe we are all into we all want to do that nobody's looking to reset or draft a quarterback or try to start over like at all we're all on board that like this is the guy he's doing really well we want him back. Uh, we've talked about on the show before. We do not think he's going to be holding anybody over the barrel for $50 million a year, going right for great quarterbacks. We've discussed it before. I think he's a quarterback who understands what it's like to be on the other side and just play him for money. To be somewhere for him to want to leave right now, to go somewhere else just for a big payday, uh, no way. I think he's not that guy. No way. He knows what it was like in L.A. with McVay. He knows what it was like to, to not be wanted and be supported in the system. To go somewhere else for a big, fat paycheck also brings a lot of scrutiny, brings a lot of responsibility, brings a lot of eyeballs, a lot of pressure. Not that he's not up for that, but he understands that once it starts to go just a little bit the wrong way, everybody's on your ass, and that is not an environment he's interested in playing in again, man. He has found his guy that believes in him and Dan Campbell. He has found the guy that tells him, hey, when the season's on the line in the NFC Championship game, right or wrong, to hell be damned, I'm going to send you out there to get that fourth and two or fourth and three because I believe in you, man. I believe in you. So this is a guy that is going to absolutely sign for less money. And we talked about that, I think, two years ago on the show. We were saying if we sign this guy back, I guarantee you if he does well and we sign him back, it's going to be for a bargain rate or a rate that is going to be, you know, less than how he's playing because he'll want to stay here if we have a lot of success. Why would he want to go anywhere else? Number one overall pick. He already cashed in on that. He already cashed in on the, on the rest of that contract. He's in no need for a ton of money, guys. 
I absolutely think he's going to sign for less. But the big deal here is now we can go into those negotiations and relax. Like not only do we have to figure out if we, if we want to pay and how much we want to pay this guy to stick around, but now we got to find somebody that matches up with him that can, we can marry to him and have the same offensive continuity we had moving forward. You got Ben Johnson coming back. We give Jared Goff the money and we're ready to roll next year, man. I love it. And on that note, I think that's going to take us into some quick hits. All right, guys, uh, you know, Ben Johnson turned down the job in Washington. So quick hit here. Uh, the Washington Commanders roll with Riverboat Ron in their last hire. They bring in Eric Bieniemy from Kansas City to run the offense. A lot of people thought that that was going to be the, the, the change in command out there, if you will. No pun intended, but yes, it is. But the change in command for the Commanders was going to be, if we want to let Riverboat Ron go, this is a, a, a trial period for Eric Bieniemy, and we'll slide him in as head coach. Well, didn't work out that way, guys. Didn't work out that way. And, you know, not surprised they didn't slide him in as head coach because they had their struggles. But front office traded everybody away. He's working with Sam Howell, who's not bad, and he made him look good. I, I'm not going to bag on the enemy. I thought he did what he could with that team. But, you know, from listening to the show, I told all you guys when he took that job, I thought this was a terrible move terrible move and everybody said no this is a great move he's going to prove he's a head coach and he's going to prove this and he's got to go prove himself and Washington's going to be loaded and blah 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 and I was just like hey man I, I thought Washington could be decent this year I think preseason show I picked them to be like eight and eight or I'm sorry you do eight and nine now right I think I might have had him at nine and seven I don't know but he didn't come in and light the world on fire offensively for Washington he did not to the point where down the stretch, they traded away all their best defensive players. And that's a rebuild, man. You're in a rebuild. So once they moved into rebuild mode, if they liked what they saw out of the enemy and what he was getting out of Howell, that was supposed to be his head coaching job. Didn't wind up that way, did it? And not only that, but the commanders don't even go and get an offensive head coach. They again, go out and get a defensive guy. They go out and get Dan Quinn from the Cowboys. Now he's a great coach, man. I think he's going to, you know, he deserves his shot and I think he's a fantastic coach, but a little odd coming out of Washington for them to go with a defensive coach again on the heels of a defensive coach that didn't work out and not promote the offensive guy that they brought in. None of it really adds up, man. It just, it reeks of a hot mess out there. So I don't know, man. Good luck, Washington fans. We'll see what happens. And on a quick note, where does that leave that that Dallas Cowboys defense? I mean, that was the heart and soul of that team. All we hear about is Dak Prescott because that's all you talk about in the press is quarterbacks. But that defense was the heart and soul of that team. And I'm telling you what, man, at times they looked like the greatest defense in the league. And then they have weeks where they look like you could dominate them at ease. And Dan Quinn was the guy that quickly squashed that. If you go back and look through their games, every time they had a shit game, he righted that ship really quickly, man. And you don't see that very often in the NFL. If a team starts slipping on defense, it take them a week or two, three weeks to kind of get back on schedule to dominating again. Go ahead and take a look through those scores, man. Anytime they got rocked the next week, Dan Quinn had them back on, on task, man. So I think a lot of those guys on that defense loved him and played hard for him. I think he's a co he's a coach's player defensively, and I think that's really going to hurt the Cowboys. Hey, all offseason, you're going to hear Dak this, Dak that. They're bringing him back. How far Dak going to take us as far as we go? Jerry Jones, you all heard that, right? Jerry Jones, I told you we'd go as far as Dak would take us, okay? That's all you're going to hear. Nobody's going to talk about that defense and who you're bringing in defensive coordinator here, man, like, 
these guys, that's their guy. I mean, Dan Quinn was their, their God, man. So, Hey, cowboy fans, you got a whole lot of shit being thrown in the soup. You better have a good broth. I'm telling you that coming up next season, you better hope that broth turns out. Hey, shout out to Pat McAfee, man. Love the guy, hate the guy. Think it's a goofy bit what he does, entertained by what he does. Whatever side of the fence you're on, man, this guy is hustling and working. I got to give it to him, man. I mean, all the stuff that he's involved in now, he's everywhere. He's everywhere. I mean, he's on college game day, right? That's a big commitment during the football season. He's flying all over the country, getting in the day before, doing game day. He's got all that going on. He's got his own show, the McAfee show that he's recording. That's on daily on ESPN. I mean, that's on like every day, man. Now, they might be able to pre-record some of that, but not a whole lot of it. It's daily, topical, 24-7 sports news content. He's doing that every day. Then he slides over on the first take every once in a while, and he's on there with Stephen A. Uh, now he's going to be on Monday Night Raw commentary table every Monday. Uh, I'm like, where the does he have a clone? Is Pat McAfee cloned, man? I mean, is this multiplicity, man? <laughs> he's, how is he everywhere doing all this stuff? I got to give him kudos, man. Tip of the cap to Pat McAfee, dude. Uh, he is killing it right now. He's working hard. He's entertaining. He he does his thing. People like him. And I'm telling you right now, if you don't like him, you better get over it because Lee Corso ain't going to be putting on those mascot heads for much longer, guys. Uh, I'll be shocked if he does it again next year. God bless him. God love him. Herb Street holds his hand and walks him through it. But sometimes it is bad up there, man. There was a couple of game day episodes this year where the, I, I can remember – whoever the guest picker was leaned over to somebody and said, what did he just, I think he leaned over to McAfee and was like, what did he just say? And McAfee didn't, you know, he, he kind of tried to get away from his mic or didn't know he was hot yet or whatever. And McAfee even looked at the guy crazy and was like, I have no idea, man. Like it's getting bad with Lee Corso. Like take him off of there guys. Don't, don't do him like Dick, like Dick Clark on New Year's Rock and you guy had a stroke and you marched him out there to, to do the show. Half his face isn't working. He couldn't put his thoughts together. It's like nobody wants to see that stuff, man. These are beloved announcers and characters and people that we hold dear and have fond memories of. Don't do that to Lee anymore. But my point here is McAfee's going to be the guy. I mean, look around the table. You think Herb Street's going to start putting the head on? No. You think Desmond's going to start doing that? No. I mean, come on. It's McAfee. McAfee's going to take over the mascot picking with the helmets, the heads, all of that stuff. So you better get used to him. You better get used to him. I got to give him tip of the cap, man. McAfee is killing it. Uh, NBA, NBA doing what they do. LeBron doing what he does, man. Just last week, the Lakers go to Boston to play the Celtics. Uh, that's Lakers Celtics, guys. I mean, that's a you don't sit that game out. LeBron does every time. LeBron and AD sit out, and the Lakers beat the Celtics, beat them pretty handily. I mean, they beat them pretty handily. Reeves goes for 32. Uh, you know, the, the whole the rest of the, the squad is putting up double-digit points and stuff like that. It's like, man, as soon as those guys hit the bench, it looks like the rest of the guys in L.A. distribute the ball, passed it around, played a little team basketball, played a little defense. Uh, that's shocking, but they played a little defense and they went into Boston and won the damn game. So come playoff time, 
when LeBron wants to start playing every week and AD is going to try to start playing every week, number one, I don't want to hear anything about we're just not gelling offensively. Well, why do you think? You're sitting out all year. You don't play against any of the good teams. He didn't play against Boston last time. I don't think he's played against Boston in a while, man. He sits out all the time. But then in the playoffs, we're either going to hear one of two things. The offense isn't gelling. It's not LeBron's fault, and he doesn't have any help. Guys, we saw what the help just did to the best team in the NBA. Well, one of the best team in the East just this week when him and AD both sat. So I don't want to hear it come playoff time, man. Kudos to LeBron, what he's doing. He's old and he's still rocking and playing very good basketball. But I I don't want to hear any of the defense, man. It looks like the Lakers can handle the situation without him. And he's going to continue to sit sit out them Celtic games because when you're a Laker and you're a Laker great, man, they look back and say, what'd you do against Boston, man? What did you do against Boston? All eyes are on you. And he never seems to want to play against them. I don't know why. I don't know why. Hey, guys, it is February, man. It is Black History Month. So I got I got to give a shout out to, to a guy who I think does not get enough credit for what he did for the NFL and for, for his position. Um, I got to give a shout out to Doug Williams, man. I got to give a shout out to Doug Williams. This is a guy here that... In the 70s, man, in the 70s, 1977, I think, is the year. And Doug Williams becomes the first black quarterback drafted in the first round. Not only the first black quarterback drafted in the first round, the first black quarterback, period, drafted with the intention of turning over the keys to a franchise, right? I mean, a couple have been drafted to that point. We all know the story of Harris, what he did in Buffalo. Amazing, opened all the doors. Seventh round draft pick or something. He's seventh on the depth chart going into Buffalo. Winds up the starter. A few years later, he's in L.A. And he is an all-pro, first starting black quarterback to be an all-pro. Doug Williams is the first guy drafted where they go, yeah, you're the guy. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers go, we're giving you the franchise. Now, you might scoff at that if you don't know your NFL history and say, well, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers expansion team. Yeah expansion team and they got to pick a bunch of players from everybody else's rosters and things like that and they drafted doug williams out of grambling state what up Graham fam grambling state comes in and they hand him the team in 77 and in 1980 he's in the nfc championship game now they lost that game they lost that nfc championship game but three years later he's got an expansion team in the NFC Championship game. And then a few years later, he's still banging around the league, doing well, career going well. He, he signs on with the Redskins. He's their backup, solid backup. You know what happens there. Rippin gets hurt. Washington makes a run to the Super Bowl, killing everybody. Doug Williams starts the Super Bowl. First black quarterback to start the Super Bowl. First black quarterback to win the Super Bowl. First black quarterback to be Super Bowl MVP. He lit it up. He buried the Broncos in the first two quarters. I think my man had over 300 yards and three touchdowns by the half. So I'm telling you right now, man, kudos and a tip of the cap to Doug Williams and everything that he accomplished. And, I, you know, in honor of Black History Month, I guess if you want to say in honor of that, but I say in honor of Doug Williams staring down the barrel of the gun and showing everybody what's up because I would give him credit for that every month of the year. I don't care if it's February, March. I don't care what month it is. To do what that guy did in the late 70s, all the pressure, everything on your back, keys to the franchise. I mean, come on, man. And the guy turned out and he showed out and and boy, did he open some doors. Hey, let, let's talk about the B1G and the SEC 
and how you heard right here on DWMOD years ago that this is what was going to happen, guys. The B1G was going to bring a bunch of teams in, and they were going to wind up being a super conference. The SEC was going to wind up being a super conference. It's right in the damn intro to the show. That's an old clip. Right when you listen to the opening song to the Tecmo Bowl theme there, it's right in there, a clip I dropped in the show probably four years ago. That said the future of college football is going to be the B1G against the SEC, and they will both have their own playoff to crown a champion that will just be like AFC-NFC style, bunch of playoff games in each conference, and the winner of each conference will meet each other in the college football Super Bowl, and everybody else can figure out whatever they want to do, and it won't matter because that will be the national championship game. It's right there in the opening song, man. That's an old clip from the show. And now we see this week that the B1G and the SEC have gotten together and created a joint oversight committee just for the two of them to be communicating on, you know, like, what's going on with you? Hey, what's going on with you? Oh, nothing, man. We're cool. What's, what's happening down in the South, man? Yeah, we know what that's all about. Those two conferences are going to keep getting bigger and bigger, and the NCAA has proven to be buffoons and fools and boobs over and over and over again, and they're eliminating themselves from college football, and I can't wait. I can't wait. I- I'm telling you right now, man, I cannot wait. I'm like Bart Scott, can't wait. Get rid of the NCAA. You don't need them. Bunch of greedy, ignorant fools. Get rid of them. And here it comes. They've created the oversight committee. They're getting together to discuss, you know what, guys, branching out on their own, getting even more teams to jump ship and come with them. They've already dismantled the Pac-12. That's already happened, man. Most of them teams into the Big Ten. All right, they they have already they've they've done their best. The SEC's done their best to dismantle the Big Twelve. They've taken almost all the damn teams from there. They're struggling to stay surviving out there, but but they're doing their best picking up the scraps from everybody else. They'll hang around for a minute or two, but we all know where this thing is heading. We all know where it's heading. And then this week, out of those oversight committee meetings, they've made the statement that the B1G and the SEC have some very serious doubts about the commitment to the future of the college football playoffs. I mean, there it is, guys. There it is right there, already floating shit. They're already floating shit to see how it goes, see what people want to say, see how people are going to react. And I don't mean us. I mean, behind the scenes, money folks, business folks, what kind of panic that puts the NCAA in, what kind of panic it puts other conferences in, what kind of lawsuits start getting shit talked about being thrown around so they can get ready and prepare. Because it's coming, man. It's coming. Told you. And anybody that wants to try to fight this thing. Guess what, man? You can go ahead and knock it off. It's a done deal. But hey, that brings us right to our next segment. Go on and tell them. Go on and tell them, Jamie. What is it? All right, everyone. Time to do me a favor and knock it off. Yes, sir. Knock it off. Let's get to some stuff that is really sticking in my craw this week. Uh, First and foremost, just a short one. And it's I'm not really mad or upset about it. but And they're not going to knock it off, so it doesn't matter. But it's obviously Super Bowl week. When I'm turning on ESPN in the morning and I got to watch a 20 minute expose on Patrick Mahomes could have played in the NBA, all the footage of him playing in high school, what a good basketball player he was. And he could have played basketball. Yeah. It's super bowl week. It's super bowl week. We're going to be watching a lot of that stuff, man. Come on. All right, everyone. Time to do me a favor and knock it off. Hey, NBA guys, 
that are coming forward, and there's more than a few of them right now complaining about the 65-game minimum to be eligible for postseason awards. If you're not familiar with that, in the NCAA, I'm sorry, not the NCAA, the NBA, you have to play at least 65 games in the regular season to be considered for postseason awards now. Now, that's a newer rule. And they had to put that in place because guys were just sitting out all damn year. I mean, you'd have guys coming in, played 50 games, man. There's 80-something games in the season, guys. You're only playing 50 of them? I mean, it was two-thirds maybe? I mean, come on, man. And then you're winning first-team NBA or or you're winning MVP? or you're, No, 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 no. And the bigger problem for the league was what are we going to do to get these guys to play? Because as we've talked about here on the show before, man, the fans were fed up and it had enough about being in Charlotte and your team's not very good, but you love basketball and your kids love basketball and the Lakers are coming to town. It's going to be your one chance to take them to go see LeBron and you're going to buy tickets, which the Charlotte Hornets are going to boost those ticket prices. All the teams in the league have regular games and premium game prices. They bump those ticket prices and you shell out to take your kid to go see LeBron and then he ain't playing. And it ain't because he's hurt. He's just sitting. And it ain't just LeBron. I mean, it's, it's guys league-wide spread across. So this is a big problem. I'm not telling you anything you haven't, haven't heard before or didn't already know. So the leagues did something about it. They know that a lot of these guys have written into their contract bonus money for making first-team All-NBA, second-team All-NBA, first-team defense, uh, and, you know, MVP, comeback player of the year, six-man of the year. These are all awards that these guys get chunk of change in their contract for winning. So how are you going to get them on the floor? You got to play 65 games, guys. And now these guys are crying. I, I met Halliburton. Now, he's a young dude that maybe just don't have to have anything to say about this. You know what I mean? But he come out this week and said, it's a stupid rule, but this is what the owners want. So I guess we got to go and do our jobs and play 65 games if we're able to. I mean, am I, am I reading into this too much? Am I hearing this correctly? Halliburton is complaining about doing his job. Listen, man. I'm not one of these uh, right-wing Karens and shit that are like, now athletes are paid too much money as it is. Uh, I say shut the whole league down. Oh, you shouldn't get paid millions for dribbling a ball. Yes, you should. Yes, you should. Because they're extremely valuable skill that is very profitable to a lot of owners in the NBA. The NBA makes money, guys. All right? They make money. Regardless of their current situation being in trouble financially, they're making money, guys. So, yeah, these guys, they do deserve to get paid. but. If you're going to get paid, you got to play. There's where I'm going to draw the line and say, no, you don't get to cry. What? Now you want me to play most of the games? Yeah, we would like you to play most of the games unless you're hurt. That's how it goes. You're a basketball player. Play the games. I mean, for him to say, well, it's what the owners want. What the owners want? First of all, first of all, this is what everybody wants. The fans, the league, opposing teams, home teams. Everybody wants the players to play. We want to see the stars play. We don't want to have like a couple of weeks ago, uh, primetime NBA, and it's escaping me what the matchups were, but of the matchups that were that day, like there were some big time matchups of like Golden State against the Lakers. And, you know, uh, I think the Nuggets were playing against, um, um, I think Milwaukee, I think maybe it was Nuggets, Milwaukee. And anyway, in these games, like all the stars were sitting. And the NBA's going, what the hell, man? This is 
like primetime NBA Saturday, Sunday, man, we put these games on the schedule for a reason. And now you guys aren't playing and the NBA sitting there and Adam Silver sitting there going, you know, last year that, that the advertisers came back to us and made us put the money in escrow because we promised certain ratings. So we prorated the price to the ads, to the ratings, and they paid us for it. And, and these advertisers came back to them later and said, Hey, these numbers you're showing us were nowhere near what the numbers were actually that day. From now on, you're putting our ad dollars in escrow. And when the numbers come in, we'll pay accordingly to how many people watched. Guys, that's unprecedented. We talked about that a little bit last year. That's a big time trouble sign. That's unprecedented. So you're damn right the league is starting to take some notice of that. You're damn right them owners are starting to go, you're fucking with my money now. You know what I mean? I, and, and it's not in a way where these owners are being uh, greedy and not paying these guys. Are you kidding me? NBA salaries? There's guys that are seventh, eighth, ninth, dude, sixth man that are making $80 million contracts, man. No, no. NBA guys get paid. This ain't got nothing to do with greed. This has got to do with the owners for the most part, most of them, majority of them, saying, hey, there's money to go around. We'll pay you guys. You're getting better contracts for guys that are sitting the damn bench than any other league. And now you don't want to play? Now you got a problem, man. And got a little too fat and happy. So, yeah, show up to work. You got to play 65 games if you want to be eligible for postseason awards. And if you want to hit your quota on some of the stuff you put in your contract that you thought you could achieve without playing, come on, man. You got to show up and play. I mean, honestly, guys, 65 games. Listen, Joel Embiid was the MVP last year. He played 66 games. Now, that dude is hurt every time he gets out of bed. If Joel Embiid can play 66 games, you guys can play 65, especially young fellas. Halliburton looking at you. All right, everyone. Time to do me a favor and knock it off. Here we go now, guys. The biggest knock it off of the week. Okay? I promised you we were going to get to it. We got to talk about it because we got to talk about it because he wants us to talk about it. Because nobody talks about him anymore. So he's got to do crazy things like this to get us to talk about him. So you know what, Cam Newton? We're going to go ahead and talk about you. We're going to talk about you. Okay. This week, or well, a few days ago, Cam Newton made the statement about Brock Purdy. He's He's been dogging Brock Purdy for a little while now. He's known. He, he's a known Purdy hater. He's a Purdy hater. He can't stand to watch this kid have any kind of success out there. He, he's hating on him like crazy. And Cam Newton says, man, Brock Purdy ain't even the 10th best player on his team. He ain't the reason the Niners are winning. He's the, He ain't even the 10th best player on that team. All right, man. All right, Cam, you ain't said some crazy shit. You ain't said some crazy shit before, but now maybe some people agreed with you, disagreed with you. He's a system guy. The things are, that he's doing is because of the system that he's in. You know, some of that stuff, maybe it's true. Maybe you believe it, maybe you don't. But when you want to come out and throw a statement like he ain't the 10th best player on his team, there's no defending that. That's straight throwing shade. That's just being crazy for people to talk about you because we ain't talking about the ascots and the hats anymore. We don't care about the fashion, how much fashion you're into, Cam. It it wasn't fashion, dude. It was please talk about me because I don't see anybody else wearing that stuff at all. Okay, so go ahead and clown me. I don't know about fashion, but I'll be damned if you see me in a lady sun hat with an ascot and a blouse. I'm just saying, that's just me. But listen, 
Brock Purdy ain't the 10th best player in his own team. So that's what we're doing now. Like, so that's what we're doing now. Because let me tell you something, guys, I got a rude awakening for you. There's only like three teams in the league where the quarterback's the best one on the team. Okay. It's like with Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson. I mean, maybe I'm missing one other team somewhere. That's probably the only three teams in the league where the quarterback's the best player on the team. But that's what we're going to do now because we're dealing with Brock Purdy. We're going to move the goalposts, and that's the parameter now. Are you even the best player on your own team? Okay, that's what we're going to do. Come on, man. This is ridiculous. And this is and, and fans are involved in this too. Let me just tell you that right now. Fans are involved in this too because you get dialed in on wanting to be right. And everybody's got a sports take, right? We're all into the draft. We all know the quarterback classes every year. And everybody wants to try. You, you try to latch on the one quarterback that you think is going to be the guy and that all the other NFL teams have got it wrong. And, you know, maybe you were one of these guys that was like, oh, man, Levis, and they're all missing the boat on him. And then he had that big comeback game on Monday Night Football this year, and you're all over Twitter going, told you, I told you, I was the only one saying Levis. And that's great. I'm not knocking any of that. That's fantastic stuff for the game, for the league, for the fans. That's all part of it, man. That's all a lot of fun. But you're invested in those guys that get drafted early. That's why we all talk about those guys, and we give all those guys major breaks when they don't play well, right? And we don't have anybody that's clamoring to Brock Purdy's defense because that year in the draft, you were at home going, hey, everybody's missing out on this kid from Iowa State. No, you weren't. You're a liar if you say you were. You weren't. Nobody. Kid was Mr. Irrelevant. Last pick in the NFL draft. So there's nobody out there rallying to his defense from the fan standpoint and from front office standpoints. They they, they want to back their guys too. They want this league to, wait, to work the way that it does, man. Number one picks, first round picks, quarterback stars, make them stars. That makes money. Pump them. When they're not playing well, send out the message, hey, just got to learn. He's getting better. That's all league-wide as well. None of these guys were on Brock Purdy, so they have they have no reason to defend him. Now, that's fine, but everybody that wants to come forward and shit on him, stop. Stop. Knock it off with that, man. Come on. What else do you want this kid to do? I mean, he's in his second year in the league, and everybody still is, is railing on this kid. Well, he's not that good. I mean, he's really not that good. He's just, he's just a, a product of that system. Okay. Okay, that, that is that is a, a legitimate statement, but it doesn't hold any weight, really. It doesn't hold any weight, really, man. Like, you still have to be good, okay? T give me another seventh-round pick that landed with the right system and finished in the top five in almost every quarterback stat at the end of the season. I mean, this kid, had the, I think he's got the number one overall rating, most yards per catch. I think he's like fourth or fifth in yards, second or third in touchdowns, number one in completion percentage, if I'm not incorrect. This kid's good. He's at the top of all these lists. This, this ain't Trent Dilfer like they're dragging this kid to the Super Bowl, man. That's not the case. This kid is really, really good. And when everybody wants to keep shitting on him because he's just a system quarterback, well, guess what, man? That's how the league works. That's how the league works, man. There are some really talented guys that wound up with the wrong team and the wrong system and were out of football in a couple years. And there's some guys that are lucky enough to get drafted right where they need to land, and then they, they have Hall of Fame careers. And, and that's just how it goes, man. But this kid, I'm talking about first-rounders with that point. This kid, 
Mr. Relevant, last pick in the draft. There was nobody that was bringing him in because he fit their system. This was just a, nah, take a flyer on this kid. We'll bring him into camp. You know what it really probably was? Take a flyer on this kid. We'll bring him into camp. It's a lottery ticket, but you know what? You always need camp arms. Need camp arms. You don't want the top three guys burning their arms out in training camp, man. Bring this kid in. Let him throw some balls for us. And this is what he's done. He's taken the reins. So don't come at me with that. He's a systems guy. And look, man, I'm a Lions fan, diehard. I'm pretty mad at that fucking guy right now. But I watched that guy in the second half last week. Yes, did the Lions do some things that really helped and assisted the 49ers to come back and win? They did. We talked about it last week on the show. You listened to it. I nailed all the points. I told you how we lost the game. But on the flip side, you can't take away what Brock Purdy did in the second half. My man needed to score on every damn drive, and he did. My man was like 17 of 18 for a bunch of yards and a bunch of points, and that's what he did. When my man needed to just tuck it and pull it down and take off and run for 15, 20-yard first downs, that's what he did. Kid looked really, really good last weekend, man. So to, to tell me he's just a system guy, well, I'll tell you what. You want to use that argument? Then let's say this. This is a copycat league, is it not? Now, we saw what's been happening with running backs in the draft over the last eight to nine to ten years, right? Don't pick them early. Get them late. You just plug them into the system. They'll do what they're going to do, and we'll be fine. You don't need to go out and get a Saquon Barkley in the first round and pay him a bunch of money. You can pick a guy later, and he'll just fit the system. Well, if that's what you're telling me is going on with Brock Purdy, I expect to see a bunch of teams in this draft go, don't take a quarterback early. Just wait. If you get the right guy later, he'll fit the system and we'll be fine. Yeah, that's not going to happen, guys. That's a pipe dream. Knock it off. That is not going to happen. They are not going to draft that way. You know why? Because you need to be special at that position. You need to be very, very good at that position to win in the league. You're not just going to go out and get a guy to fit your system. It's a stupid argument. It's a real stupid argument, man. You have to give Brock Purdy credit for what he is doing right now. And as far as Cam Newton, I mean, whoo, Purdy roasted him. I mean, I don't know if you saw this, but Purdy responded to him. Purdy let him have it, man. Public statement from Brock Purdy. Cam might be right. I may be the 10th best player on my team, but I know there are over 90 quarterbacks out there on NFL rosters, and Cam ain't one of them. Oh, boy, that's a fact, isn't it? Now we'll hear everybody, all the Cam Newton people will come out of the woodworks and how it's a conspiracy to keep Cam Newton out of the league. It's a conspiracy. It's not a conspiracy that nobody ever liked the guy. He didn't get along with anybody in any locker room that he was in. It's not a conspiracy. You're not good enough to be the starter, and you're too big a distraction for me to keep around just in case somebody has an accident. You're not. That's the reality of it. You're not on a team because you can't get along with anybody. Nobody likes you. You're a cancer in the locker room. Your ego is the biggest problem everywhere you've been. Now, I will say this about Cam Newton. His statements, this is the other big statement I want to get to. His statement that when he was playing in the league, he was the only him that you saw out there. And by him, he means he was the only one doing it at that position like he was. He made that statement. When I was playing, I was the only guy that looked like me playing. And now I look around the league and I see a lot of guys that look just like me playing the game right now. I should be a Hall of Famer. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? Please, dude, please. Cam Newton, if you understand anything moving forward, 
please understand that the things you accomplished in the NFL, which were minimal, you stood on the shoulders of giants, my man. You stood on the shoulders of giants of those that came before you. You were not the first person to be playing football at the quarterback position the way you did. You are not. Now, I will give him this. That dude is a bona fide first ballot, hands down, college football Hall of Famer. He won the national title with Auburn. I don't know if many people know this, and I'll give him credit where his credit is due. That was that was amazing and magical. He was the only member of that offensive unit from Auburn that won the national title to ever play one snap in the NFL. Not one other dude on that offense ever played one down in the NFL, and he took them to the national title. I'm telling you right now, that dude is a hands-down college football Hall of Famer, no doubt. NFL, no way. Not even close, my man. Not even close. Cam Newton was very, very good for a small window. Go ahead and go back and look at it, man. I'm not I'm not hating. I'm not throwing shade and hating. I'm, I'm telling you facts. Cam Newton's career with 10, 11 years or whatever, there was a small window there, like three seasons, maybe a fourth, where he was very good, MVP, went to a Super Bowl, Got trucked in the Super Bowl. We all remember, like, not going after the fumble and, they, like, backed away from it. We all remember that, right? I mean, the ball's on the ground. It's right there. He backs up and lets everybody go for it. We remember that, right? Give up the strip sack. I mean, he shrank in the Super Bowl. Did not play well at all. Was really bad. And they got trucked by a weak old Peyton Manning and Denver Bronco team. But for a small window there, he was good. Outside of that, no. Not a chance, man. Not a chance. This dude is, he's dying to be remembered, but easily forgotten. And that's just the truth, man. There were so many other guys that came before him doing what he was doing for him to say, uh, you know, when I was playing, I could look around the league and see there was only one dude doing what I was doing. Doing what? 3,700 yards passing and 10 rushing touchdowns, 12, 14 rushing touchdowns. I mean, that's the thing. Like that's your, I was doing stuff. No other guys were doing. Here's something that uh, maybe Cam needs to remember. He never even rushed for 750 yards. You're telling me you're the guy, you were the only guy out there running and passing. And Why? Because at the one-yard line, you were big enough to punch it in? Please, please. J Josh Allen and, and, and Jalen Hurts already almost have as many rushing touchdowns as you. They've only been playing four or five years. I mean, you know, you never even rushed for 750 yards, Cam. You know, Michael Vick ran for a thousand, right? Lamar Jackson has run for a thousand twice. I think Justin Fields ran for a thousand yards this year, my man. So no, you weren't doing anything at all that hadn't been done before you. There was guys running and throwing before you were. Now, on that note, I would like to take the opportunity to point out some guys that actually do live up to the statement that Cam Newton is making about himself, right? You know, a guy that can say, hey, I may not have Hall of Fame numbers, but I'm right there maybe. And when I played, nobody was doing it the way I was doing it. And now I look around the league and I see a lot of guys doing it the way I was doing it, man. I really changed the game. One of those guys, Roger Craig. Roger Craig fits that statement, guys. He's not in the Hall of Fame. And he's the first running back to have a thousand yards receiving and a thousand yards rushing in the same year. And damn near did it for the next five straight years. I mean, he was the man out there. Roger Craig 
and that West Coast offense out of San Francisco, he they he he's a guy that could say, hey, my numbers may be falling a little bit short, but let me tell you what, when I was playing and looked around the league, wasn't a lot of guys doing it the way I was doing it. And now I look around the league and there's a lot of guys doing it the way that I'm doing it. And Roger Craig would be correct. And I think it's also fair to say his career probably cut short, making his numbers not, you know, Hall of Fame worthy, but his career probably cut short because of that workload in the era he played in. This wasn't an era of targeting and heads up and you can't touch the running backs out of the backfield. This was an era where it was like, oh, you want to you run a route out of the backfield? They could level you. You know, you did catch the ball. You got drilled. They were trying to knock him out of the game. He was the main weapon for that offense in, in an era where they hammered guys. Now, I'm not arguing what's better football and men were men. I'm not doing any of that, man. I'm just pointing out facts. This is a guy whose numbers, had he played in this type of league now, would be Hall of Fame worthy, and they're not too far off where he's at right now. So Roger Craig fits your statement. So I'll tell you what, Cam, I'll thank you for bringing that up, you know. And on that note, too, for Cam Newton, let me tell you this. I think everything you accomplished in the NFL, boy, Brock Purdy only needs two more good years, and he's done what you did. That's a fact. That's a fact. This kid's only been a starter for two years, and if he has two more seasons like he's had his first two years, he's already surpassed everything you've accomplished, right? If he could, if he could win an MVP in the next two years, and what did he finish? He's going to finish like third this year, maybe. He's going to have a shot at winning an MVP. He's already took his team to the Super Bowl. Might damn near win it. I think Brock Purdy probably only needs two more years to prove he's better than you ever were, Cam. And I'll tell you one more guy we talked about earlier that fits your statement. That's Doug Williams. Uh, Doug Williams. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna bang that drum again. Doug Williams fits this statement to a T. His numbers are not Hall of Fame worthy, but they're not too far off the things he accomplished. And when he was playing, he could look around the league and go, boy, ain't nobody else looks like me doing what I'm doing right now. Nobody's ever done what I'm doing right now. And now he can say, and I look around the league right now and I see a lot of guys doing what I did. Doug Williams fits that statement. But you, Cam Newton, you do not fit that statement. I understand you're dying to be talked about, my friend, but sorry, man. You're goofy. You're goofy, and I think your need to be discussed and your need to be back in the limelight has led you to the other side of the microphone. You're over there doing what guys like me are doing now, talking about sports, except I'm not doing what you and a lot of other guys are doing in sports talk, just saying the craziest shit you can say so people have to respond because that's what you're doing. You know damn well Brock Purdy don't deserve the shade you're throwing on him. He ain't even the 10th best player on his team. You tell me right now what other guys we're doing that to. What other guys in the league are we doing that to? We're not. We're not doing that to any other quarterbacks in the league when we talk about the the just deserves they have or what awards they should be up for. We're not doing that to any other quarterback. We're only doing that to Brock Purdy. And if you want to try to counter by saying, yeah, but we're talking about the MVP. You're talking about an MVP award, and I'm saying he's not even the best player on his team. And I'm going to tell you, the MVP award doesn't always go to the best player. It goes to the best quarterback. So a lot of guys that have won that award weren't even the best player on their team. There are other times where wide receivers, running backs should have won that award, but a quarterback did. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. You're talking hyperbole. You're talking in circles and nonsense. Just so you can say the craziest shit 
and people have to talk about you. So, my man, go get you one of them sweet-ass sun hats, them ladies' gardening hats that my grandmother would wear or something. Get you a fresh a fresh ascot. Get you a nice new blouse, some super some super tight cargo pants that are like capri and just above the knee show off them ankles get you some sweet sandals do whatever you want to do with your outfit and maybe we'll talk about that again but there's really no reason to discuss you anymore man it's over and your takes are garbage all right guys hey that's it for this week man but i'm going to tell you this right now we will be back before the end of the week with the finale to our NFL Playoff Pick'em Challenge, Andy St. Clair will be in the house. Anthony Finelli will be in the house. We'll have our Super Bowl picks, and we will wrap this thing up going into the Super Bowl, Kansas City against San Francisco. We're going to have some good quick hits, some good knock-it-offs on there. Those guys are always great to talk about, bang stuff around. Uh, hey, if you're in the Atlanta area, you know I'm in Atlanta now. If you're in the Atlanta area, guys, uh, be over at Tin Roof doing some open mic comedy tomorrow night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night, Smith's Old Bar. Great open mic over there. Going to head over there and do some comedy on Wednesday night. Thursday night, not sure. I'll put the, put some up on the site if it'll be out about when on Thursday night. Maybe we catch up. Friday night, probably going to be heading over, uh, check out Daz garage theater going to go over there check out a show or two they got a great spot over there they're doing improv comedy over there so good scene in atlanta good stuff going on man but we'll be back this week with the finale for the playoff pick them and we'll see you next time wanna bet cash money all right bet wanna bet no! God, please, no! No! Tease it. Tease it. Wanna wanna chicken dinner? I'd buy that for a dollar.